Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Jason Cutter. Jason is a mindset and scalability expert and the CEO of Cutter Consulting Group. Even though he didn't have a sales upbringing or background, his bachelor's degree is in marine biology, he knows what it takes to be successful in sales and build profitable teams. His books, podcasts, and work with clients are focused on helping close more deals, make more money, and produce scalable results. Thanks so much for joining me today, Jason. Thanks for having me here, Diane. I'm thrilled to have you here. Um, just a little quick little aside for the listeners. You and I met, I don't know, last year, the year before through an online networking thing and you know, had contact back and forth and then sort of lost contact and ended up getting reacquainted. And the reason I say that is because folks, you never know where different connections and relationships are going to take you when you are simply looking to build relationships. So that, that's my little, you know, little non-sales pitch pitch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and for and to I totally saying. agree, right? Like that's, that's the, one of those things. If you're playing the long game and you're focused on relationships, like we can talk about sales, we can talk about life in general, which everything yeah. in life is sales. So it's all intertwined. Um, when you're playing the long game, and you're just planting seeds and you just never know. I had a mentor that said you're, you know, what he focuses on and what everyone should focus on is planting seeds uh, that might grow up to be trees that you'll never sit under either. Right. Like ah, you never know what that. things are going to grow or nurture what you're going to do for somebody or with somebody right. that it will turn into something that you'll never even see the fruits of. Um, if you're attached to needing to see the results or getting something out of it, Yeah. that give to get mentality, that's, Anyway, we're already getting off topic here, but or well, not. <laughs> we are and we are. So, because uh, we're going to be talking about sales, right? So, uh, all of this, you know, plays in. Um, and I am curious about something that you and I both see a lot, which is people being order takers instead of salespeople. And I would love to get your take on why you think that happens. <laughs> yeah. And um, I know partially you're referencing the the book that I wrote where that was the subtitle, Transform from Order Taker to Quota Breaker. Uh, why does it happen? Well, in my experience, and I will talk from my own personal experience if we want, um, typically what happens is somebody enters into a sales role or a role where they should be persuading and moving people forward to some kind of end result that then generates revenue, right? A lot of people won't want to say they're in sales. They don't have a title that sales companies uh, give people titles of anything but salesperson, right? Look at account executive. I'm using air quotes, um, but it's really a sales role, but nobody wants to admit it. 
and the reason why is sales is gross. Uh, sales is full of the old school tactics that people don't like. I've in the US and then also overseas with teams that I've done in training, I say used car salesman, and then everyone can come up with a pretty accurate same description of what that looks like. And so people think that is sales. And so what happens is somebody enters in a role where they should be selling, they should be persuading, they should be helping people, but they think sales is that, right? They think that sales is gross. They think that sales requires lying, cheating, tricking people, manipulating, using tactics, strategies, um, all kinds of things that ultimately benefit the salesperson, but not to benefit the customer. And that's what people think sales is. So they enter into a role and then they think, oh, that's sales. I don't want to do that. I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to follow the golden rule and I'm going to treat people like I want to be treated. So I'm just going to be nice. I'm going to be friendly. I'm going to build rapport. I'm going to show people that I care. And then I'm going to hope they like me enough and trust me enough. And then they buy from me because I don't want to do any of those things that I think sales equals. And so they end up in that role. Um, and so that's one mode. That's what happened to me. That's what happened to me in sales and, and, and a lot of my career path in sales until I figured out what it really meant. Um, and then the other reason that people end up being order takers is their company just fails them. They hire people, they throw them on the phones or they throw them into a role. They don't give them any training or they only teach them about the product. And they say, here's what you're supposed to go sell. Now go sell it. And they think, all right, if I hire 10 people, if one or two of them figure it out, that's great. I'll just fire the rest and keep hiring people and firing people until I have a team. And there's a lot of carnage that goes through that. And people don't actually get any training. And then they default to the first reason I said. Got it. Boy, it's so expensive to, for companies <laughs> to do that in so many ways. Yeah, Ugh. for sure. And, and it's expensive too, right? And everyone knows the stats of like how much it takes to replace somebody and what you're paying for that. It could be $10,000. It could be $150,000, a one year salary or, or revenue from a salesperson, all those things. But what it's also doing too, in this day and age right now, which is where it's really hurtful for companies is that customers aren't going to tolerate that either. Customers aren't going to tolerate turnover. They're not going to tolerate your poorly trained sales reps. They're not going to tolerate your order takers because unless your name is Apple, there is another company out there who does exactly what you do and is happy to do a better job at it. Apple has no competition when it comes to iPhones. There's one iPhone, they have a monopoly. That's why you stand in line. That's why you put up with their terrible service. That's why you pay their prices because you want an Apple phone, right? Not all smartphones, but if you want an Apple, an iPhone, you only have one choice. Right. But out there in the real world, for the rest of us, there's somebody else who will happily help your client in a way that you're not, because uh, they're not going to tolerate it anymore. Okay, but let's talk about that. Let's. What is it that most consumers actually want from a salesperson these days? <laughs> oh, another another loaded question. I feel like I'm just going to keep monologuing on the uh, on no, our time together. Um, so here's the big thing, and and it always helps to go backwards and then go forwards. I think for for people to really like understand it is not too long ago, I will say back in the day, if you wanted to buy something and you wanted to learn about something that you wanted to buy, you had to call a company or you had to go into a store. There wasn't another choice. We're talking pre-internet. Some of us, like you and I, remember what it was like before the internet. Uh, you know, when you wanted to yeah. figure out where a company was at, you had to get the, the phone book out and then call them and then write down the directions and then you know, drive to their place. And then the fun part began because 
you know, it wasn't too long ago. If you wanted to buy a car, you had no idea what you're doing unless you waited for the Sunday paper. You had to go into a dealership and then it was now the game. The game began right now. The battle ensued where it's you versus them. Salesperson's trying to sell you whatever they can and make the most amount of money. And you're trying not to get fleeced in the process and still get a car that you want. And so the salesperson and the company had all the power and has all had all the power and felt like they had it. So you were at the whim of them and their game and what they were doing. Okay. Then you fast forward to now, now everybody, and if we were on video, you would see within arm's reach of everybody 24 seven, even though we all know that we shouldn't have it next to us while we're sleeping, we have access to all the world's information and knowledge, right? And so the problem is, is that companies still think their job is to help people with information and knowledge and basically lecturing them or telling them things. Uh, but that's not true. People now, and they always wanted it, but they didn't have a choice. Now people have knowledge and information. They have access to it. Not everyone researches things and looks it up, but they could. What they're truly looking for and why they're risking life and limb in dealing with a salesperson, again, because most people in their minds think sales are, is, is dangerous as a customer because of their own experiences, family, friends, other things they've seen, movies they've watched, right? You watch Wolf of Wall Street and Boiler Room, and you're going to be afraid of salespeople all day, every day. And so what happens is if somebody is willing to risk what could happen to them by talking to you, the salesperson, they are truly looking for guidance. They don't need knowledge. They don't need information. They're not looking for a lecture. They don't need someone to give them features and benefits and reading from the brochure. They want to know how can this product or service help me get to the better place that I want to get to? How can this help my situation? Not everybody, but me. And they want that wisdom and guidance for them. Got it. People really need to listen to that. I, I think that is huge they don't want to be educated they want guidance yeah and and right? i think it's it's important to know that you do want to do some educating depending on what you sell people might not know what it is uh if it's a program or something they've never heard about so there's some but isn't that dependent on the person you're talking to it's dependent on the person you're talking to. It depends on how much people might know. That's yeah. going to th be facilitated by actually asking questions and figuring yeah. it out instead of what most salespeople do, which as soon as they start talking to someone, they go into selling mode. They right. just start talking and monologuing and lecturing um, because they just think they're the hero and they've got the perfect solution. Instead, the other person needs to know that you care about them and that you actually want to help them get to a better place. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, and isn't part of the problem that their sales managers are telling them to go out and do that? <laughs> so, so here's the, the oh, 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 Diane, you're killing me with the questions and, or these are great, but like the, the, that's the exact scenario that happens. Cause what I see a lot in companies is companies just going back to the order taker question, companies don't do a lot of training and don't do a lot of continuing education. They don't do a lot of helping people understand why sales is different now, what their role is, right? In that guide mode and sharing wisdom. And they just default to the classic tactics. So companies aren't doing a lot of training. They're hiring people and they're hoping they can find air quotes, natural born salespeople who just know what to do. Just give me a phone and a list and I don't need a script. Just let me do what I do best, right? They're hoping to find those people. Those people make it evolutionarily in the company because the other ones die off because they're not getting the support that they need, then, then the company promotes that person into a management role, into a leadership role. 
And then what happens is that person now as a manager says, well, this is how I see the world. This is how I was successful. So I just assume everyone sees the world like this. And I think everyone should be successful in the same way. And so this is what we're going to continue to do. And just generation after generation, that organization is focused on that thing. And there's a lot of carnage. You, I've seen companies be successful enough. They're profitable. They make money. Are they sustainable? Are they scalable? Can they do it long-term? That's a different matter. It is interesting because a lot of times I look at these companies and I think, boy, you know, I wonder how long this ride's going to last because at some mm -hmm. point, you know, it's just not sustainable. Yeah. And, and, and it might be sustainable long-term, but what are the ups and downs going to do and how difficult is that going to be? And how sustainable is that um, in, in the time being, right? When the slumps happen, what is that right. going to do to the organization, to the culture, to everybody? And can you pull yourself out of enough of those long-term? Right, right, exactly. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing Business Bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Okay, now you, you said um, something a minute ago that, that prompted me um, when you said, you know, companies hope that they get this natural born salesperson. So <laughs> is there really such a thing? And if there is, does that mean people can't be taught how to sell or, you know, what's your view? Well, uh, first, Diane, uh, I am living proof that someone can make themselves into a salesperson uh, and can be taught that. Uh, so that's the first part. Uh, the second part for your original question about natural born salespeople, I think there's definitely some personality traits that lend themselves better to being in a sales role. Now, the ones that are the classically thought about ones, which is charisma, extroversion, you know, the outgoing, the storyteller, the life of the party, the no fear, those kind of things. Yes, that's what can make somebody in that classic mode of sales. But I would contest that now and maybe not ever. Um, that's not necessarily what people are looking for, right? That somebody who's trying to buy something might not enjoy dealing with that kind of salesperson. They might right. put up with it. 
they might mm -hmm. want what they want so bad that they're willing to tolerate it. I have tolerated some salespeople like that. And I've also walked away from being a customer with people like that, where yeah. I'm just like, no, this, this, this is not the game I want to play. And I don't enjoy any of this. Um, but I think what it is, there's some of those traits. I think really when it comes to this natural born salesperson, it's more, it's not so much that they were born with the gift to sell. It's that they were born with the personality traits that lend themselves better for sales. And they realized it early on, meaning that this is the person where you can see them now at four years old, five years old, six years old. They're great at persuading. They're great at talking, not just like putting their foot down and like demanding to get their way. Like they have persuasive arguments at four or five years old, why they need that cookie or why they want to do this or why they want to stay up late. And you're like, if that person's not in sales or a lawyer, uh, it's going to be like a, a crime against where they could go with their life. Right. We all know that we've all seen that kid. Maybe you were that kid. And so the thing is, is that if you fast forward from five years old to now you see that person at 25 years old, it's not that they were naturally born to be in sales. They just been working on it and practicing and they've been talking themselves into and out of situations for 20 years, right? If you're familiar with Malcolm Gladwell and the book Outliers, 10,000 hours principle to be a master at something, they've mastered it. They've been doing it for 20 years, right? That's been their life. Yeah. And now it's just autopilot for them. Um, and so I think that's really more of what it is. If anyone's familiar with Gary V, Gary V was selling people the flowers out of their own front yard. He would rip them out and then knock on their door and sell them their own flowers back to them at like six, seven, eight years old. So you see him <laughs> now at 46 years old, he's been doing it for a long time, right? Yes, he had some natural talents in there, but he's been cultivating them like a professional athlete for a very long time. Now, on the flip side of that is someone like myself. I was a shy, awkward, only child. I was bullied. I'm a late bloomer. I'm still a late bloomer. I'm still a little slow in some things sometimes with trends and stuff. Uh, I didn't fit in anywhere. My parents, two fantastic, loving parents, they're still together to this day, analytical. My mom was in banking and finance before she retired. My dad was an engineer and product project manager and moved his way up before he retired. Two analytical parents. My mom hated salespeople as a banker. And so I was not great with people and raised to hate salespeople and fear them. So uh, I literally got my bachelor's degree in marine biology. I tagged sharks for years because as I say now, it's kind of a punchline. It was safer to stand on a boat circling, being circled by great white sharks than any career dealing with humans. That's literally what my brain was telling me at that time in my life. Um, and yet life took the directions it did. I fell into sales at 27. I didn't get my first sales job. I was an order taker because the mortgage industry was hot in 2002. So there was no sales required. I didn't learn sales until years later. And I basically worked on the skills and the personality traits and the behaviors and the ways to sell in a way that was successful, having none of those in my favor early on. Well, thank you so much for that. It's both sides of it. And so... The answer is that some people are born with tendencies and traits that lend themselves towards being good salespeople and other people learn those traits and characteristics so that they can be good salespeople. Yes. Yep. And hard work and the desire to be successful will outwork, will, will beat out pure talent all day. 
Yeah. Right. If we look at somebody who's athletic or somebody who's musically inclined, but lazy, like they have some natural talents, they just don't want to work on it. They could yeah. be amazing versus somebody who's got enough and then they put in the effort and they will blow somebody else away. That's why I firmly believe that you can make yourself into a sales pro professional if you want to. Right. Right. I, I totally get that. Now, there's um, this belief, and I still hear it, um, even today, as a matter of fact, I think the other day I heard it and I just, you know, some things I decide to let go, it's not worth the conversation, but <laughs> since I have you uh, here with me, um, I, I'm very interested in getting your viewpoint on this. What do you feel about this idea of asking for the sale? I, so that's always an interesting topic. And, and if you listen to a lot of the, um, a lot of the stuff that's out there, the advice is how to ask for the sale, ways to close the sale, ways to do this, ways to do that. That's really about like getting to the point where you can then ask for the sale. And, and a lot of it is, is based on old school tactics. Some of it's based on people don't like to be sold to, they like to buy. So you're asking their permission so that they feel like they're in control. So they're buying, right? And so that's the general advice and the general themes that are out there. I look at it differently. And I'll use an analogy, you know, kind of something, a scenario that people can imagine. So let's imagine that you break your arm, okay? You go to the ER, they get you in after however long they make you wait. And the doctor goes through their process. They do an x-ray, they do some, some exam work, they check things out, they come back and they say, you have a spiral fracture in your arm. We need to put, uh, we need to re-break it. We need to reset it. That's gonna hurt. Put a cast on it, we'll get you some medicine. Um, now, uh, I'm sure you need to think about it. So what I'm gonna do is here's a brochure on uh, broken arms. Um, here's my business card. I'll send you a follow-up email because I'm sure there's people that you need to talk to, maybe you need to check with somebody else. Um, also, if you decide to get this done by the end of the quarter, um, we're doing a 10% discount where we can do it and give you some money off. Um, and so uh, is that something you would be interested in doing? Like that would be terrible. And in fact, that would actually be malpractice because a doctor is actually a professional. Um, and uh, they took an oath, the Hippocratic oath. Uh, and that would be absolutely ridiculous if they were to do that. And they would never do that. They would say, do you have any questions? But they wouldn't do that. Right. And instead, what would they do? As a professional who took an oath, who's required by a board of ethics and, and codes and laws to leave people, you know, in a better place than they found them, they would instead come back with the diagnosis, your arm is broke, we need to reset it, put in a cast, it's going to hurt. Um, any questions before we begin? No? Okay. We'll get you out of here as, as quickly as possible. I know this is going to hurt. We'll get you some meds. And then we'll book an appointment to see you uh, in six weeks, right? That's what they do. They yeah. assume you came to them, you have a problem. They know what the problem is. They've now diagnosed it. They're a professional. They've give you the prescription as a professional. Now the next step is just solving it. They don't say, oh, you have this headache. Uh, would you like medicine for it? No, you're there. You need help. They're a professional. Now, here's the thing. And this is where people try to start pushing back is most people aren't selling something that's life or death or something where somebody is just begging for the help and they know that they can do it. However, if you want to be a professional, 
in sales, then you have to have the same mindset. I do not believe in asking for the sale, asking someone to sign up for whatever it is that I'm focused on helping them with. That's different from earning the right to sell. That's different from earning the permission to move forward with the close. So you have to have a process where like a doctor, you're going from step A to step B to step C and getting to the point where now here's your issue. We're going to fix it. Any questions before we begin? And so I think that's different. And that's really what people are looking for. Back to your, you, one of your first questions, which is people, all of us, because we're all customers in our own lives, we're looking for a guide. We want wisdom. We want someone to help us. We're going, I'm going to you because I want you to help me. If you're asking me what I should do, wait a second, do you not know what I should do? Because I already know I don't know what I should do because that's why I'm yeah. coming to you. So if you're asking me, now I'm worried because if you don't know, um, what am I doing here? Like, why are we even talking? Um, and then it's like, who's the professional and who's in control of this process? And who's, who's the one who's actually going to help who? Right, right. I love that. that. That is so interesting. And I'm really glad that you said um, the thing about getting to the point where you have permission, right? You just don't bulldoze your way through it. It's about building that relationship. And one thing that I always say is, if you're asking enough of the right questions and you're having a meaningful conversation, you're both getting to the same conclusion at the same time. So there's no closing the sale. There's just no. moving forward. It is. I mean, and if you have a process that's built in the right way, that understands human behavior and psychology from the consumer standpoint, not your sales person focused on hitting your quota mode, but the other right. person, which is what I help companies with and, and part of what I do, um, then you get to a natural point in the conversation as a guide where, okay, based on your situation, this looks like this is going to be the best thing to help you with fill in the blank here. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Okay. Right. The next part is the application. Uh, yep. What's your address? Like it just, now we're just moving. And, and I also, it's funny because I train people to look at it, especially breaking the order taker mode out of people and, and helping them realize what their job is and sales as service is seeing that, you know, the doctor analogy, but that one's tough because sometimes people are like, well, I'm not selling that. I'm selling people on helping them with their energy or their cable bill. And it's not life or death. So that's a little tough. The other end of the spectrum is more almost DMV mode, right? And, and I tell people, yeah. I said, I want you to kind of think about it like the DMV, but definitely not be that unhappy, like be the happy person there. Um, but it's basically, you go to the DMV because you need something. I need to register my car. They give you forms and they say, okay, how are we going to pay for this? Like it's a process because they're enrolling you. They don't get a commission. They don't get a benefit. They don't care. They have so many people in line. They literally don't care what you do, but they're there to help you. At some level as a salesperson, that's how it should also feel. I care about you. I want to help you. There's so many other people in line. If you don't sign up, that's on you, but I will help you and we'll just move forward. And I'm going to assume if we're talking, it's because I'm here to help you. I think it's really hard for salespeople to, um, and small business owners to really embrace the idea that if not this prospect, there will be another one. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they have this, so, you know, I got to make this sale. I got to close this deal. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that scarcity mindset can be really difficult. And part of the problem is, is that exudes consciously and subconsciously. 
uh, out into yeah. the world or in the conversation with the other person. And when you have that mode, it is, it can be palpable, right? Like I think we've all been customers or non-customers in a situation where the salesperson or the solo business owner, solopreneur is needing the sale almost yeah. more than we need to buy. And yeah. you can feel it. It's like that person who's, you know, desperately single and right. they don't realize that because they're so desperately single, it's actually repelling everyone away because it's, it's just not working. Right. Exactly. Um, but it's tough. It's tough to set, step back and trust from abundance. The best thing, and that I wrote about this in, in my book, the selling with authentic persuasion is, is to just do some math, right? I'm an analytical guy. We already talked about that, right? Like I, I, I didn't think I was going to be in sales. So I just look at it analytically, like as a business owner, or even as a salesperson, I have all my reps do this is how many people out there are your potential customers in the world, in the country, in your city, in the whatever, right? Do the math. That's the potential. Now out of those, how many do you need each year? And for how many years to be wildly successful, to be very happy, financially, business-wise, whatever that looks yeah, like for you, right? right? And then and then work that number down to maybe the month. And now take that number of how many people you actually need to sign up divided by the total population of everyone that you could sell to. I promise that number is a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a percent. Then you realize, wait a second, I don't need every single person I talk to. I just need the ones who I can really help. And then if I can really help them, game on, right? That's when I need to move them forward. Right. Otherwise I don't exercise. need to force every single person through. I mean, I've had people do that where we help people with, with credit card debt and you look at the numbers and there's a hundred million people in the U S with credit card debt. And I talked to a salesperson. I'm like, if you can, if you can help two people a day, that's amazing. Two people a day, even if your career is 10 years long out of a hundred million people. And even if I had a team of a hundred people doing that all at the same time, it's still a fraction of a nothing. Right. And so just, just keep going, right? You don't have to try to choke every person into a client. And please don't. <laughs> and please don't. It doesn't work. And even if you, and so here's the thing, right? On the other side is the people who do that, right? Not the physical choking part, because that's bad, but they, they just force it and they manipulate or they trick or they beg or they plead or they, like, I've seen it all. What happens is you might win the battle today. They might sign up with you either out of desperation, out of fear, out of something, or the, the charm, the, the magic dust you sprinkle on them, and they just kind of don't see the BS. But you will lose the war because tomorrow they will wake up and out of the trance and they will go, oh, crap, what did I sign up for? What right. did I buy? Right. I need to take this back or I need to cancel or I need to stop my credit card or cancel this yeah. check. Uh, and I've seen all of that too. And so it doesn't work long-term either. No, no, it doesn't. It, it, yeah, it's amazing. Oh my gosh, Jason, I knew I was going to enjoy this conversation <laughs> <laughs> and I did. Um, and so thank you so much for joining me today. Will you tell the listeners how they can find you, how they can get your books, you know, everything they need to know, please? Um, well, let's start with finding me. So uh, I'm on LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, uh, I have a business page there. Uh, easiest place to start is if people go to jasoncutter.com. So I basically made that a hub for everything I have um, for salespeople, for managers, owners, leaders. Um, there's two different sides of the page that just has curated content and directions for where to go. I have some eBooks out there as well that um, people can sign up for and get those for free. So jasoncutter.com is the best place to go uh, for the book selling with authentic persuasion. If you go to the website, 
you can get that directly from me. Or if you'd rather, it's on Amazon as hard copy. Uh, also, it's on Audible, which was a fun experience recording that. Uh, so that's available if you like the audio for that. Um, and other podcast content, jasoncutter.com is the best place to go. Awesome. Thank you so much. I, as I said, I, I really appreciate it. I know this is very valuable uh, for the listeners, um, as are your books, so they should go get them. Uh, <laughs> listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Have you ever found yourself scrolling through financial news and wondering, how does any of this affect me? How can I read a major headline and truly understand what impact that has on not only my portfolio, but my life? Well, our goal on the podcast Inside the Street, hosted by Wall Street analysts at Lachifre Partners, is to provide public investors and young professionals with a deeper understanding of the mechanics that drive those major headlines. And what better way to dive into these mechanics and hosting Wall Street analysts themselves to discuss the newest trends in finance firsthand? Well, on our show, we bring you real perspectives from the front line. Hearing these analysts give commentary has made our listeners much more well-versed on the financial markets. This approach to discussion allows our listeners to engage in conversation with much more educated opinions and predictions. So be sure to check out our show, Inside the Street, wherever you find your podcasts.